Hey everybody, happy Friday. Welcome back into the shed. I am one of your hosts of In the Shed, Jonathan Maz. I'll get right into my conversation with Eva, but first a little taste of what we talked about. We started off on a bit of a somber note as we were both at the recent ghost bike installation for Jason Rumshottle up on North Portland Road. Uh, Eva was there in her role as a board member of Bike Loud PDX, a local nonprofit advocacy group. Uh, and I did a video that you can watch on Instagram and check out some of the uh, photos and quotes from uh, from the event uh, up on the Bike Portland blog right now. What else did we talk about this week? Well. Uh, turns out Commissioner Mingus Maps, who's in charge of the Transportation Bureau, has been reading the high cost of free parking. Yes, we talked about how PBOT got out of their budget hole. Some of my takeaways from my East Portland bike tour with Timur Ender, a city council candidate. Eva shared a bit about her trip up to Seattle recently to get her emergency passport set so she can shove off to Italy next week. And by the way, I'm going to need a special guest host to fill her spot for the next week at least. Uh, so if anybody out there wants to be a part of In the Shed and come and chat with me, reach out and let me know. Uh, a few other things we talked about. I asked Eva about the recent bike shop news with Trek Portland moving and Golden Pliers taking over the lease for Gladys Bikes. How the Max train killed Interstate Avenue and uh, and why I think the changes at the new seasons on, in Arbor Law tell a similar story to the loss of innocence in Portland over the years. So sit down for a bit or do whatever you do when you listen to In the Shed because here it is. Enjoy this episode and I'll see you, if I don't see you at Bike Happy Hour, I'll see you back here on Friday for another episode. Thanks for listening. I've noticed I'm not very good at starting these, so welcome to In the Shed. I'm Jonathan, and I'm here with... Eva Frazier. Yeah. Hi. Here we are, episode uh, 12. Happy belated birthday. I, I, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. 49 years old. A special gift from a nice friend, uh, this beer called Dino S'mores that I thought maybe we could share yeah, what's the flavor going to be? It looks really interesting. It's an imperial marshmallow stout. <laughs> if you're not into it, that's fine. Okay. Um, well, you know, I'm ready to try anything pretty much. So From off-color pour brewing. Me, pour me a glass. In Chicago. I have no idea what this will taste like, but why not try it? I mean, it smells Weird. good. It smells like a dark malt, you know. Yeah, oh, it's extra, 10.5. Extra, oh, that's the imperial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's more like wine. These are small glasses. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's not. It's not sweet. I expected some weird. Yeah, like yeah. a lingering s- mm-hmm. sweetness. Yeah, it's good. I it's like actually it. kind of a dry finish. It's nice. Yeah, it's good. Those are my tasting notes. I don't know anything about how to talk about. I, it. I don't either. Here. Tasting notes, tasting schmotes. Well, here we are. I just saw you out on North Portland Road. Mm-hmm. Went out to this ghost bike installation for Jason Rumshottle. I thought it was. Really nice how someone from Bike Loud, Sarah Risser, stepped up and made that happen. Yeah. And the family looked to be appreciative of that. Uh, It was a good event. Yeah. I think, honestly, I do think ghost bikes are like kind of an effective means of conveying that message of this place is unsafe. Maybe you can play a role in making it safer. You think? Yeah. Even though while we were out there, it felt like people were just speeding by so quickly. Yeah, if you don't know where this road is, it kind of cuts north-south on the uh, peninsula in North Portland. So if you're on a bicycle, often you ride along the slough and you're separated from car traffic. And then you turn north and there's a crosswalk across North Portland Road just south of Marine Drive where you can go out 
to Kelly Point Park or the the Smith and Bybee Lakes. Yeah. And that's where Jason was killed. Yeah, it was like September last year. Uh, it's a really, I think a lot of people listening to this know the path. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if you've ridden at Kelly Point Park, you've probably gone this way. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, I mean, I've been across, I've crossed there on my bike hundreds of times. It's a place I'm moving through, so I don't really sit there and think about uh, much when I go through that intersection. When I first heard that someone was killed there in that general area, I was like, I knew, I was like, it's got to be that crossing yeah. because it's weird. Yeah. Like you said, how you approach it is like a, a sharp right, depending on which way you're going. So visibility can be strange and the speeds seem really high. There's absolutely nothing to slow drivers what down. What is the speed limit there? I think it's probably 40 or 35. Okay. And people are going 60. It's a, it's Probably. kind of a, yeah, it's one of those scary places where it's kind of a nether zone. It's kind of like, yeah. it's a no go zone. Like not a lot of people are out there. It's just feels like really industrial, almost like rural, even though it's pretty close to town. It basically connects industrial areas to more residential areas, but there's not a lot happening out there. So there's no eyes on the street and you know how it is people. That's where people tend to just floor it, especially if there's nothing to deflect that behavior, right? There's no, yeah. there's no houses. There's no like people on the street. Yeah, there's, right. And there's it's, no, it's um, just cars. there's no, you know, the street itself is just a straight shot. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I would say a couple miles, a, a mile where you, between where you would have any signalization. That's a long way. Right. Between so, Marine Drive and, and <clears throat> like Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. That's a, that's a long way. So right. it's really dangerous. And I saw you, we were talking, standing out there just like when you actually, that's why I really recommend anybody listening who's interested in advocacy or just having this amazing perspective on some of the stuff we talk about a lot, try to go to locations where something has happened like this or any location really where you just feel that where you know is dangerous. Right. And you just sit there because when you're, like I said, when you're passing through on your bike, you don't take time to really use all your senses and soak it up. And like for since day one, for years, I've been going to fatal crash sites often just to have my brain absorb what it's like at those locations and have some kind of memory about why we do this stuff and just how it feels on a lot of different levels. But today I took away just the rumbling sound of those huge trucks and how fast the cars were going, just how disheveled the shoulder was. And that, you know, that's that other thing that always gets me is when you see all the road debris, like cracked reflectors and fenders and just you know, right. it's just unkempt and it just, the whole thing just needs to be, you know, fixed up. I, I can't believe that there's not some kind of light or uh, not a light. I, I don't think they would do a signal. is not enough traffic for that, but some kind of flashing beacon. Well, that's what Jason's sister was saying. So mm-hmm. Fox News was there and they were interviewing her. And I think they asked a question like, what, what do you think could change this? Good. And she was like, I think, you know, you push a button and you get a light or at least narrow the lane there a tiny bit. I mean, I know there's a lot of really big trucks rolling through there. Yeah, I think of I think a flashing beacon is the answer. Mm-hmm. And if I'm sure if this happened closer into town or in a place where people lived or whatever, there could probably be a beacon yeah. there. But this is one of those places where I always say there's no natural constituency because there's no uh, there's not even a business there. There's no no housing. Yeah. There's no one to really speak up. There's no neighborhood people to bang a drum and say, "Hey, we want safety." It's just like. Everyone's passing through. Everyone's passing through. And the people that pass through a lot of the time that maybe are connected to city hall or power structures, 
they're the racing training Lycra folks who unfortunately don't tend to get as involved in changing things. But yeah, it's, it's really sad because then you have people like Jason, who's just trying to get to work and, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's flagged now. And I mean, that's the other thing that's kind of dark and cynical is that now because someone has died, it sort of will score higher in terms of urgency for the possibility of getting a beacon. Right. I mean, that's really gross, right? Right. We pay with <clears throat> all those high crash roads and intersections that. Yeah. And we literally pay with our bodies and, and blood and bones in terms of trying to get some of these things upgraded and to have them be safer. Yeah. You know, there, there will be somebody, some bureaucrat will look at this now and they'll do their little database query and Jason's thing will pop up. And it'll be like, oh, someone died there. Maybe we can find some funding to put a beacon where before September they would have been like, it's just not, it's not ranking high enough as a danger. Right. Right. Stop and think about how that is just so unsettling that that's often what it takes. So I hope, I hope his sister, maybe, maybe she can get involved with um, the squeaky wheel project that if folks haven't heard, it's a really interesting project that Bike Loud's doing. There's another great volunteer at Bike Loud. Christopher Hale, I think is his name. He's doing this project where, well, do you want to, you want to describe the project that he's doing, Eva? Well, essentially we're just showing up at city council meetings every week and saying things that need to be said. And if you keep saying it over and over like a squeaky wheel, maybe it gets the grease. Yeah. And the, and the testimony so good. I've yeah. shared a few of them on bike Portland. You probably caught them, but uh, I really want to do like a full mashup because I think they're just like a masterclass on how to frame things and, they're resonating because we're seeing we're seeing um, more and more engagement from. So there's an open. Com- so what's happening is people are testifying at this like three minute opportunity before every city council meeting. Five, I think up to five people can sign up. Yeah. And so it's like a free thing right before city council Wednesday mornings. And you can talk to the five commissioners. And anyway, so yeah, I'm starting to see more engagement from like responses. A lot of times they'll just listen and then yeah. you go to the next person. But some of these bike loud testimonies have. But you can see the reactions responses. in the commissioner's faces, you know, even if you're just yeah. watching online. Yeah. I mean, daylighting was something that people have done really great testimony on. And I noticed right. at. Peter. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just today at the city council. I'm sorry. Just yesterday at the city council budget work session. Mm-hmm. Peabot unveiled their plan to basically save themselves from ruin. Um, they were facing like $32 million deficit. They were going to, they were threatening to cut 118 full-time positions and not clean up landslides and all kinds of other things they were threatening to do if they couldn't find money. Um, and one of the various ways they're going to fill that hole is using some money from the Portland Clean Energy Fund to basically swap out stuff they're currently paying for through the general fund. Anyway, long story short is they're having more money freed up to restore some services they were going to cut before they got some of that clean energy fund money. And among those things they specifically listed on a slide was daylighting or they say, they say clear the corners, the same, same idea, intersection, daylighting. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that would have been on the slide before or not, Mm -mm. but it certainly was fresh and it's all politics. Right. (laughs) They want to, they want to say things that they think the community is going to get excited about and resonate. So I know you just wrote an article about this, the potential for slightly higher parking fees for cars downtown and, yeah. and around in different parking districts. And then also just 
giving tickets to people who haven't registered their cars. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that's great. I mean, I do report people with expired tags or tags. You do? Yeah. My goodness. I get, I have, you know, like sometimes you have a car that's been Mm, parked in the same spot for multiple months and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I reported a car that had tags from California that expired like 10 years ago. And I see a lot of out of state license plates that aren't current. So I really wonder what the rules are. Like, I grew up in New York State where I think you had to register the car with new plates, like, as soon as you move to the state. Like, if you have, if you're getting mail somewhere, you need to have a license plate from the state you're living in. Yeah. So I don't understand why that's not true well, here. Well, what's weird here is that regardless of what the law would say, mm-hmm. people just aren't Nobody, following it. Yeah, sure. And there's this weird feedback loop of where... The government's not really caring about it and letting people do stuff and then people do more stuff and then they let you and it just be it's kind of Yeah, I hear that I hear this thing where it's like, oh, it's it's like equity or it's, you know You do hear that to not to not ticket people for having expired tags. And I'm like I don't understand that. That's I don't (laughs) think it's an equity thing. I think it's a competency of government thing. Like they need to be able to do it equitably, but not Mm -hmm. doing it is not equitable, you know. Like that's that just doesn't make any sense. And not only that, but you know, if you lose, if you lose the political narrative, which Portland has in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. then what can you really do if you want to do more equitable stuff? So at the end of the day, you have to, you have to get the politics right. And letting people just have expired tags and not enforcing parking has just been a loser all around for Peabot. And I'm so happy that, I mean, it took this like massive fiscal crisis for them to do this. And I guess it's not assured yet. I mean, obviously, council still has to approve right, they this. they have to pass it on the budget. Yeah, so it'll be May, you know, May, June, you know, in the next couple of months. Who knows? Maybe there'll be some heated testimony. I don't think there's a constituency Who's that's going to fight against for that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one thing. I mean, so there's also a parking increase. That that one could be a little more testy politically, but... 20 cents. Uh, yeah, 20 cents. And that's to make up for years of not yeah, catching like, up to inflation. Yeah, like, why do we not have inflation built into yeah. the parking prices. I just don't understand. Yeah. And it's extra frustrating because it's really only Peabot. They're an anomaly in city bureaus that don't yeah. peg their rates on inflation. It's like everything about Peabot. It's like your rent been, goes up every year. I, uh, yeah. You know. Transportation issues are just so hot button mm-hmm. and they just touch people in such crazy ways and gets people so mad that because of like the weird politics in Portland, I think that's led to Peabot being super averse of doing anything that's like, you know, more difficult on people, including right. enforcing basic laws. I don't know why, because they just, they don't want to do, they don't want to add any more anger to people because they're already telling them they want to do a road diet in front of their house oh, or sure. something. Well, and then there's the but, narrative of if you raise the cost of parking, people won't come. And I'm like, but the whole thing, the high cost of free parking, right? Like yeah. Donald Shoup's concept is you have to charge enough yeah. that you have a few free spots all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's the magic number, right? So like a business wants to have a free spot right in front of their business. And that's how you do it. You charge more. Yeah, could you believe Commissioner Maps actually used some like Donald Shupian parking I know. reform kind did of they, language? Did, did the parking reform network like infiltrate? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, shout out to Parking Reform Network yeah. and, and Tony Jordan and and their and his ilk. Like they've also done that kind of stuff. Testifying at council pays off. I mean, I don't know if Maps would have been saying it like that, but yeah, in his in his comments today, he was talking about how when he was trying to frame the the parking rate increases and stuff and having more metered districts and everything. He's like, well, Hey, 
these poor small business owners that need to like, you know, sell flowers and fresh bread. He actually said that. <laughs> it's kind of a random thing. And he's like, they can't pull up to their storefront to, you know, to make any deliveries because there's never parking available and there's no parking available. Who's selling flowers? Yeah, flowers. Oh, yeah, flowers. <laughs> Did I say flower? I don't know. Maybe I just heard it. Anyway, it was good framing, though. It was like, okay, good. That's good policy talk because mm -hmm. it's a great point because it's it also flips the narrative of like, you know, higher cost of parking is bad for business. And yeah. I'm glad that Commissioner Maps is armed with this concept that no, actually, when people can just hang out in a parking space all day, it's not good for business. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we'll see. I'm not going to be surprised if the Portland Metro Chamber comes out and right. has some kind of really concerned trolling. You know, they'll use equity. Businesses you know, for conservative politics. Up. Yeah. They'll probably come up and try to say something about it, but we'll see. But bottom line is, looks like Peabot's going to have some, some revenue and they're only going to be a few million bucks in deficit. So no problem. No problem. No problem. I'm so curious though, like the PCEF money. Yeah. I'm worried that, you know, Peabot is taking all this money that was sort of dog-eared for other projects that are supposed to, like, get cars off the road. But I don't know exactly what Peabot is taking from PCEF and what they're applying it towards. Do you? Yeah, they're do doing... Do you know? Um, yeah, so what, what Eva's talking about is the fact that PCEF was created to fund climate change mitigation for mm -hmm. Portlanders who are hit hardest by it. So folks that don't have as much money... And statistically, folks who are people of color, black people, indigenous people, and so on. And so there was a lot of heartburn that it was going to become a slush fund for city bureaus in trouble. And that's exactly what yeah. is happening. But I'll say, like I always say about government and stuff, is it comes down to trust, right? Some agencies you may trust. Some politicians I think we can trust more than others to be, in this case, abiding by the spirit of what PCEF was created for. Yeah. And by the way, any one of these requests from the city is just like a request, just like you might make, Eva, for mm -hmm. Bike Loud. The city yeah. has to go to PCEF, hat in hand, and say, can we please have some money? Right. And there's a committee and there's a process to decide who's going to get it. Um, but I think in general, PBOT is trustworthy in terms of having the people that know what to ask to fund right, right? They're in this case they're gonna multi-use paths or yeah they're gonna i think the big i think one of the biggest expenditures are gonna get for PCEF stuff is to fund their transportation wallet program which has sure. been really yeah. successful That's it's basically great. like it's one of those mobility universal income things where they can give people lower incomes free transit passes and bike town passes and stuff stuff yeah. like that so but yeah there's some other there's some other bureaus asking for PCEF money that yeah I don't think is as above board and that's going to be the bigger debate. And then there's the other wrinkle of what commissioner Rubio is saying she wants to do of using the interest from the PCEF money to fund totally non-related things that I also am not comfortable with personally. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be a debate whether that's just like innovative government and Hey, it's the city's money, it's interest. So why shouldn't we fund police, you know, needs or, or not police needs, but fire station needs, which, and I'm kind of like, I kind of want to say like, hell no, because it's PCEF money. Right. Even the interest, that's all their money. I mean, it's the optics of creating the fund to begin with because certain groups in town didn't have enough and didn't have their needs met only to have the powerful people in town come and think they can just spread that money to their own pet needs. It is just so on its face. Yeah. It just flies directly against what the whole thing was made for. And so 
you know, as much as I want the city to function and work and pay for services, like I think we do need to honor the PCEF stuff. And so it'll be interesting. Um, and I'm sure there's some people who helped build the PCEF program who are really squirming and trying to figure out, you know, the best way to approach this, the politics of this. But anyway, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they have what, $750 million. It's a lot of money. No? Oh yeah. I think it's over a billion at this point in, oh, my God. in terms of okay. expected revenues and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Dang. What else? Um, speaking of underinvestment, I went on a really cool uh, bike tour of East Portland. Mm-hmm. That was super cool. What did you see that was like surprising or different than you thought it would would be? Let's see. I hadn't been out to see some of the stuff on Division. Yeah. The protected intersection at 162nd and Southeast Division mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. That's a high crash area. You're talking two pretty big arterials, definitely division in, in 162nd. Um, and I, I think there's a, I think there's a few protected intersections that TriMet and the city of Portland worked together on when they did the big FX2 line improvement thing. But I'd never actually been on one of them. And it's, it's nice. It's basically as the bike path approaches, it becomes protected with a median on, you know, on each side and then this like really cool bulb out. And basically means that people turning right from the intersection in any direction have to make these really arduous right turns. And it's really hard to hurt someone badly. Right. They have to slow down. Yeah. They have to slow down and then they end up orienting their car directly at the path. It's it's all, this is basic Dutch design manual stuff that we're starting to do. So that was really cool to see. What else? It was neat to see the, how the neighborhood greenways kind of connect up and to to, to be able to follow someone like Tamora Ender, who's the city council candidate I went with, who's running for that East Portland District 1 out there, he would just take shortcuts just naturally, I guess, kind of like maybe I would do in my neighborhood. Right. And I'd have to be like, what, Tamora, what did we just do? Yeah. Like, what road are we on? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you would, you'd have to kind of know that's there. It's like, ah, there's no sign that says I can get through this block because, you know, in East Portland, it's all about how to perm how to get through the blocks right there's not a like the filter because nothing not everything is square and yeah there's just right there's just fewer opportunities the blocks are bigger and uh so i think the 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 best thing the most interesting thing about that that ride was just being with timor because that guy knows he knows those roads and just the fact that he worked at pbot like literally planning designing and implementing the actual projects we were writing is like the deepest knowledge yeah you could yeah, like this one little path on Northeast 113th between Northeast Oregon, which is a neighborhood greenway, and then Gleason, which is a high crash network street, and beyond where there's a couple of schools, you really needed a way to cross right there, right? So he was able, they were able to get a signal at 113th and Northeast Gleason. But then, he, because Timor was there and he knows the, the area, he's like, but it doesn't go anywhere. If you're going north of Gleason, there's this dead end thing. Just, but then it happens to be that there's this right of way that was gravel. It just wasn't an official throughway right. that would connect right to the Oregon yeah. Greenway. But anyway, it's cool because Timor was able to be like, let's just pave this. And then it's, then we have a multi use path right to the Greenway to connect to the signal. And so, yeah, little things like that. Really neat. I mean, I do love that just about living in a neighborhood or doing the same route all the time where you you find your little cut throughs and yeah. your secret spots or you know where the dangerous intersections are and you know to. Yeah avoid them or find your way around them. You have any cut throughs or secrets that you do a lot in your neighborhood? I mean, I love alleyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to do an alleyway ride. Fun. Or maybe three of them during Petalpalooza. 
Alleyway joy joy rides. You don't find that they're like blocked or just kind of like too. I mean, sometimes people are parked or there's yeah. junk or whatever. I mean, they're rough, but you're not gonna get hit by a car. You're always gonna see something interesting. Yeah. Maybe somebody oh, I mean, will invite you to their barbecue. Yeah. You know, I think. I mean, you almost feel like you're like in their a backyard bit of an, Yeah, it's a little bit of an adventure. Yeah, I agree. I, I love I love um, some alleys. I also just like riding like Alberta Park is a park I ride through the middle of often. Mm. Like I'm coming back from a friend's house in Northeast Portland and it's just, it's, yeah. in, the, it's in the middle and I'm not going to ride around it. Right. So you get to ride underneath these majestic pine trees. Yeah. I'm all about taking park routes through parks. It's mm-hmm. unfortunately, they're not always perfectly aligned <laughs> with the street yeah. network, which is annoying, I guess. I mean, I, I could be of two minds of like, you know, parks are different and they should be, they should have their own vibe. And we don't want the transportation network to cut right through a park and right. ruin a nice big grassy area where kids could be having a picnic. But there are quite a few parks in town that could have a better connection to the bikeway, let's just say. And sure. I think for a lot of riders, if they don't want to take the time to explore or whatever, and they're just trying to get to work in A to B, they're going to come to a park and it's going to be kind of a barrier and they're going to go in around it or whatever. So it's not ideal. So. Or are you just going to ride straight through the... The grass? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. This, through this the mud. Year, be careful, folks. This time yeah. of year, grass can end up it's being a, like It's a little messy. Muddy quicksand. Like yeah. Mess. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I just do a lot of things where I try to avoid stop signs and I do a lot of like left, right, left, right things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Google would tell me to go straight. Yeah. How's your life changed now that we can roll through <laughs> stop signs? Has that been a big thing for you? I don't think my life has changed. Really? Yeah. Oh, come on. If Bjorn Marlowe's listening or any of the other people <laughs> well, that fought for years to make that change. Well, I was probably just rolling through them before. <laughs> You're supposed to see And now life. I feel better about it. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, exactly. now I feel less. Less criminal. I still think car, like, I still think the car drivers don't know that's a rule. Yeah, that's true. I was just thinking the other day, we need those little, the people would call them rider signs, right? So under, I mean, I know it would be a lot of money because there's so many stop signs. Sure, yeah. But maybe we could just start by saying, you know, stop signs or something on neighborhood greenway or anything that's a major city bikeway. Underneath the stop sign, it should say accept bikes or, or it should just say a yield quick bikes. PSA That'd campaign nice. that's like they buy all the billboards in town and that. do it. I don't know. See, I just I love this whole conversation because I like being like na 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 to like drivers and be like, <laughs> right. yeah. We do have yeah. special rules. Yeah. <laughs> Go read ORS. It's right there. We have special rules. Thank you. Yeah. Because we're a special vehicle. You try losing all your momentum yeah. and only having your legs to yeah. accelerate you forward. Yeah. Or have to wait a bunch more minutes when it's pouring rain or it's dark or, you know, yeah. you got some person being mean to you and you're just trying to get home or some, some dude in a truck bearing down on you and you're just like, you know, yeah, no, I'm just going to get off. I've I always... did once. Well, I didn't get pulled over. I got ridden next to by a motorcycle cop who was upset at me for going on a red light. And did he engage you while you were biking? Oh, absolutely. I was riding. We were probably going 15 miles an hour or so, Mm -hmm. maybe 20 miles an hour. And he was talking to me while I was cruising along. And he was like, you know, if if a car had taken like a wide left there and hit you. And I was like. Just another one of those things where it was like, the, would have been the car's fault killing me, but he's going to chastise me, the bike rider. That is such a common thing that police yeah. like to do. It's happened to me too. And I absolutely, absolutely resent any cop that tries to engage me while I'm operating my vehicle. And I'm like the easiest target because yeah. I am, I don't have a bubble around me. I don't have yeah. windows next well, to me. He also told me he had been to two 
vehicular oh, oh, sure. crashes yeah. in the last 24 hours. And I was like, yeah, great. Shit's terrible. Like people keep dying. Yeah. My, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> my point is you should never engage a road user in a conversation. Like he needs to, you should stop. You're either going to pull me over. Yeah. Right. And have a conversation. Don't, don't, I've had that happen to me too. Yeah. They just want to talk out their window or something. And I'm like, why are you talking to me? Yeah. I'm trying to be safe here. You know? Yeah. And I do not appreciate being lectured by police officers who it's just like this weird paternalistic kind oh, of vibe. Oh, it felt very fatherly. Oh, it always is. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And my dad is nothing it, like that. So I was like, mm-hmm. 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 Yes, yeah, sir. That is, okay. th- yeah, that I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'll yell back and then it'll become, and that happened to me oh. just down the street. Actually, one morning I was coming back from taking my kid to school and uh, it was that, that light at Rosa Parks and I-5 with a special bicycle oh, yeah. signal. Mm-hmm. And I always time it just right. And I probably rolled in like a millisecond before it turned green and he had to chastise me. You did a Jersey start. Yeah, he had to totally, and it was just so hilarious. And the other part of it too, by the way, out of principle is that they can't do that to car drivers because they can't catch up to them. There's no way to talk to a car driver, yeah. right? Yeah, So exactly. it's inherently not cool because you can only do that because we're on a bike. So anyway, it, this is happening many times, but once he engaged with me, I was not having it and I was like barking back at him. What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And then he pulls me over at the corner and it's morning of school drop off. So I got like a couple texts when I got home and like my kids they all saw, you. Had saw me yelling and oh arguing with an officer on the corner. And they're like, what was going, what was your dad doing on the corner? Anyway, yeah, you know. What are you going to do? What safe. else? Oh God. Yes, of course. Just keep us all safe. Please. Well, I was in Seattle. I took the bus up there, the Flix bus. There were only three people on my bus. No. I was like, oh my God, this is not financially prudent of you all to run this but okay fine um anyways i felt like people were very friendly like way friendlier in seattle yeah i thought you meant on the bus friendlier than here well on the bus also people were friendly they were like happy that the bus showed up are you serious they were really friendly are you were you just because it was a new city i don't know people were like i went to cafe umbria to have a an espresso and there were three baristas working and they were all like chatty hmm. and was it sunny uh, <laughs> it was like seattle sunny See, like it wasn't raining see how sensitive i get of like <laughs> is seattle better than portland Are we, okay and the other thing is i walked a lot i walked probably like five miles in the 20 hours that i was there and the crosswalks seem better marked mm. wider and mm. people legitimately stopped for me whereas i feel like here the crosswalks are a little Hmm. more like you wait until the car stops for you okay so anyways i just felt very welcomed good yeah that's nice good for them (laughs) well and then i came back here and i got on the max and i was like kind of a uncomfortable experience well i mean there's (laughs) there's a big difference between seattle and portland that are you know and it's just has to do with money. I mean, that's how I, I look at a lot of Portland's problems. Especially there's so street, many people living on the street, street in stuff. Seattle too. Yeah. I mean, well, there's that. They're not, yeah, they're I, not I just, immune to that. Yeah. I just mean in terms of, I mean, one of the, the money in their, in their Bureau of Transportation. Yeah. Their city coffers. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's why it's really frustrating that there's a lot of people in Portland who are just like anti government spending anti-tax no matter what Mm -hmm. sure there's been incompetence with how taxes are spent and programs and and government doesn't work great but oregon and port i mean we are so starved for revenue for cities you know 
cities like Seattle and they just have more corporate tax rate. They just have all kinds of more revenue to deal with, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like a frustrating thing for like PBOT staff too, because I don't think it doesn't get talked about in the community a lot. Like there's all this complaining and why don't you build us this and why don't you do this and keep this clean and maintained? And they're like, we ain't got, how are we going to pay for that? Right. And it's like, look around, like we have no blue chip companies here, really. I mean, what, OHSU is our biggest employer? That's yeah, like, I mean, we have, that's we a have research Intel, hospital. We have, it, yeah. Yeah, there's one. Intel's, mm-hmm. you know, a couple not in the cities city of away. Portland. I mean, Nike's not even here, despite what you might read in the media about yeah. it being in the Portland area. Right. Adidas it's literally not. has a campus. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what they're But they're small potatoes, the yeah. I think, in, in general. And that's like not a huge corporate. It's just yeah. not a lot of, and that's, you know, that's kind of, and that's the irony is like, that's why a lot of people like it here. Yeah. Is that it's this a big, isn't a small place town. where, yeah, this isn't a place where people come to just make as much frigging money as humanly possible and yeah. build huge companies. And I don't think a lot of people here want to be San Francisco or LA or New York city in that regard where it's like work, 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 work. And right. you know, so we have, we attract entrepreneurs who are motivated by changing the world in other ways and not just their bottom line and making a lot of money. But what that means in at the end of the day is there's less money in the coffers at the city. Right. So, uh, and then, so what people try to make up for that by coming up with innovative taxes that they pass at the ballot and then what there's people that love to just criticize those for being okay we're getting (laughs) off what else are we gonna do we need to okay let's let's reorient here yeah (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) um bike shop news we have a bike shop expert here and there was a bunch of bike shop news this week yeah trek is moving across town their downtown portland store will no longer be in existence yeah wait where are they moving to they're moving to northwest 21st 21st and raleigh Okay. It's an amazing Where 24th location. Ave used to be, kind of? No. No. It's going to be Where was that? a bit north of that, okay. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That was like Lovejoy, I think. Okay. So this will be Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And it's right It's right in the heart of like Slabtown. It's, okay. it's like a brand new building. Yeah, they're, they're building it stuff. just for Bike Gallery. And i talking Not to the- Not Bike Gallery. Oh, God. <laughs> I did that again. <laughs> it's they're hard. building it for Trek Portland. <laughs> Sorry. They're building it specifically for Trek Portland. And, uh, yeah, talking to one of the managers over there at that store, they're, they're pretty excited <laughs> to get I away bet. from 10th and Salmon down in Southwest. And, uh, but that old store, I kind of loved, it was like, even store. just the sound of the door opening kind of had this yeah old timey vibe. It was like a big wooden turnstile door. Yeah. You wouldn't think it's great for a bike shop with getting <laughs> They must have had an alternative. I don't know. They had like a, si- yeah, a door side next door. to it. So that's cool. Um, and then, so, so they're moving. That's great. It's going to be a neat part of Northwest where there's the new, new seasons and like the B saws or whatever. And like a bunch of cool stuff is, so they're going to do great there. I think it's really kind of cool. And, and then Gladys is moving on and closing up. Yeah. I actually went there yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Jim was there. He was like, everyone's sadder than we are. (laughs) The community is sadder than they are. Mm. And I think that's the thing. Like, you know. Sometimes closing can be a, a good thing. It can Wait, be a, how, it can how be a happier know? ending. How would I know that? How would you know that? Sometimes you, you just have to leave. Yeah. So I know that there's been a huge correction in the amount of shops, and there's been quite a few, and we've winnowed away from our, our high of, I don't know, 70 or 80 shops back in the day to maybe 50 or 60 now. But yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like a lot of shops are struggling. It's been sort of a, I don't know, a slow withering or just a shift over several years, but mm-hmm. am I wrong about that? Like what, what are the components of the bike world right now that is making it tough 
for shots. Well, I think maybe. cost of living has definitely gone up. And mm, so staff, you know. staffing. Um, and that's always been a thing. Like the bike industry never pays what being an auto mechanic would pay or something like that. So people are going to move on always. Mm, mm. Um, and people who stick around, stick around out of love and maybe they have a banker in the family. I don't know. Uh, but I also think, you know, Cassie took over Gladys right before the pandemic. So yes, right. I can't even imagine what kind of torture that must have been. Yeah. You know, you tough. think you're sailing into blue waters and then you get stuck in the doldrums. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's good news for Golden Pliers. They're going to have a great new location yeah. and nice little serendipity. It's mm-hmm. kind of neat that Gladys went out like that because... yeah. One thing I always thought was neat that Leah helped establish the former owner, Leah Benson of Gladys Bikes, is that this, you know, what's the word like collegiality between bike shop owners, which I thought was really cool. I did a story once where they were running a promotion with some other shops. It wasn't just like competition. There was this sense that the shops were working. I thought that was really cool. So it's kind of a nice end of the story for Gladys to give their lease to another shop that's going to move in uh, and probably do a lot better. Kind of just like uh, the Trek Portland move where... Much better foot traffic. Yeah. It's it's a more lively neighborhood, you know, from where, where Golden Pliers is now on um, on North Skidmore for my interstate, which unfortunately... It's like quite, a funny little corner. Yeah. Interstate is a weird street for business. Weird. You know, I have kind of a theory about that where it was all predicated on the Yellow Line Max, right? Which mm-hmm. opened in whatever, 2003 or four, I forget. Um, and it was going to obviously, you know, oh, spur a bunch of development. And then they, they changed all the land use so that they could build high rises. And there's been tons of growth, tons of density gone over there and tons of housing yeah. and businesses. But it hasn't, I think it's partly because the way TriMet builds their light rail with these huge barriers, it's essentially like a arterial that it separates the neighborhoods. Yeah. What if that was like more permeable, their tracks? You know what I mean? If it was more like Amsterdam, where you yeah. so you can just walk over You them. can just walk yeah. over them. Yeah. I know it's America and we can't trust people to not get hit by trains. People walk over them anyways. Though. We have too many lawyers and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, that's, if, you, if you're on interstate, like, I just think that's a big part of it. Until not only does the, the, the light rail prevent you from crossing the street at, at, it, like short intervals you have to go several blocks before you can get to the other side of the street unless you want to hop over a barrier and look like a criminal like or whatever but what that also does is it channelizes the remaining lanes on interstate and i feel like people speed through there way more than they should yeah so maybe it's just me seeing everything through like you know street design road safety lens but i feel like if if those aspects were different and the street the streetscape was a little more humane we would see the vibrancy would be nicer and it'd be more attractive to people to hang out on interstate, you know? And so I know there's some projects through North Portland in motion that are going to add some pieces of bike lane and remove some of the, the on-street parking there. So we'll see, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. The only things that thrive on that street are like restaurants and bars. I think, uh, yeah. Fire on the mountain does really well. They do well there. The alibi is there. Yeah. That place has been there. A long time. Those are all really car centric, though. George's. Too. Well, sure. Well, you know, yeah. Those for aren't sure. like people, bike hangouts. People showing up at Fire on the Mountain often come by car. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned those. Same which, with the Alibi has a parking lot. Nighthawk is the same thing. Yeah. It's that's very true. famous. It's been there forever. It's, it's an institution. I walk there. 
but it's mostly drivers in their parking yeah, lots. Like for a, sure. Same with new seasons. Honestly, I'm surprised how oh, many people drive. Don't get me started. To new seasons. This. Don't get you started. But well, I, I do. Think, I think the new seasons Arbor Lodge here, which is just you know a couple blocks over mm-hmm. from where we're yeah. sitting, Rosa Parks and Interstate. I think it's a great. What's this? What's is it? Allegory. When sure. something. It's a great example of Portland. It's a microcosm of the changes in Portland. If you look at the trajectory of that new seasons, in my humble opinion, it started as this like locally owned cool store, great staff. The bike parking was fantastic. It was right in front. Mm-hmm. We used to talk to so many people in the front of that because we were early to have a long tail and I would borrow a Bach Feats before there was any Bach Feats and I'd sit in front of New Seasons and one person after another would come in and want to talk about it. And, yeah. and it was right up front, right at the main entrance, right? Slowly over the years, they got rid of the bike parking in the front, right? And they moved it over to the side and then they took it out completely mm-hmm. and replaced it with other things to sell or whatever, and they have one of those silly racks. You're supposed to lift your bike up, which is oh my god, those are the de- those are horrible. Right? I park so around the side. You could look at the front of New Seasons now and see no bike parking. Huge shift from where it started. Meanwhile, they got bought by this massive corporation that has nothing to do with Portland, right? Uh, and they also opened up a rear entrance, which I thought was like the coolest thing ever. This tiny little a new door in the back, right? Yeah, next to a bike corral. Next to a bike corral. That's such a nice thing. Guess what? They closed it a while ago, and they've never, it doesn't seem like they'll ever open it up yeah. again. So that now is a dead spot. And it's just lost so much of its vibe. And I'm like, in a weird way, that's kind of the same as Portland. Like, right? It's like the loss of innocence thing. And it's like the reduction of some of the things that we used to love about this city. Yeah. And for what? Why? Because, I don't know, the same old story. People, <laughs> the New Seasons folks wanted to make money and everybody does. And I know the grocery business is tough and, you know, somehow they didn't want the bikes right in front, whatever. But anyway, I thought that that's just kind of like a little yeah. example of how things have changed in Portland in the last 15 years. Uh, so I, I don't actually go there as much anymore, but we don't need to talk about my <laughs> shopping habits. What we do need to do is wrap up this episode. What are we going to go out on? How about, oh, do you have anything you want to go out on? Oh, gosh. I feel like I did so much this week. I don't even know where really? to start. Well, last Sunday I did Maria's Caddyshack ride, cool. and it was the most glorious February day. It was sunny. Sunny. Oh, we went nice. by a bunch of golf courses. There were only two flat tires, and they both happened like at convenient places. Um, yeah, so that was great. That sounds like a, a fun ride to actually have flats on. Yeah, sure. I mean, because like the people, I know people. No one's like, going to drop you. Well, yeah, Caddyshack ride is yeah. just like a good time. It's just another chance to chill and hang out. Yeah. Um, super fun. Yeah, Ryan that was a beautiful weekend. some Argyle socks, you nice, know, some perfect. baby Ruth bars. <laughs> that was a perfect weekend. It was all sunny, like Saturday and Sunday, and then it went back to not being nice. Yeah, it's okay. Week, so we needed, we do? just needed that little piece of yeah. sunshine. Yeah, that's right. My little piece of sunshine was seeing the boom bike yesterday. Oh, with uh, Mike Cobb. Yeah, I went and visited Mike, and I met met Dan Kaufman was there, a good old friend of Disco Trike fame. Google Disco Trike (laughs) and Bike Portland, and you'll see some fun stuff. Um, And Rachel Freifelder was there, another another face from the bike scene that I haven't seen for a while. And they're all they all are working on this boom bike thing. It's a human powered soundstage that there's no batteries. It's all like a wattage bike Mm -hmm. that's been bolted to the top to the rear thing of a trike and this is all like heavy duty grade stuff it can hold like 500 pounds right and so you have one person pedaling the trike mike cobb or whoever else and then you have somebody sitting perpendicular to the trike operator 
on a bolted down wattage bike on a huge stage. Just power. Just to power the thing or just to power mm-hmm. the electrical that powers like the amp for the speaker, the huge right. speaker. And then the guitar player who is in this case was Dan Kaufman, who's who's strapped on the back like a Disney float or something, <laughs> right? He's like Elsa in the freaking parade. And he's sitting there playing guitar and they have this this big umbrella over the whole thing. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, protected from the sun and rain. And they're just motoring down the street. It's the coolest thing. I, yeah. I'm just so excited to share it. I'm going to be doing a video probably comes out Monday or Tuesday, but. That's really cute. Boom bike. I can't wait. I mean, I expect no less from Mike Cobb. Oh, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. So can't wait to share Mike's latest creation. And I think with that, yeah, we're good. I'll see everybody. At happy hour on Wednesday. And we'll be back here. Actually, we won't. You won't be here next week. I won't be week. here. I'll be in Italy. You'll be in Italy. Rough stuff. I'm going to get a guest. Cool. Guest to fill in. So if you're listening and you want to co-host in the shed with me, let me know. Send in your resume. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Thanks again for listening. Really appreciate all of your support. If you are not a paid subscriber of Bike Portland yet, please become one today at bikeportland.org slash support and find out how you can be a part of what we're doing here and pay a little bit in to keep it thriving and surviving. I also want to thank Brock Didis of Sprocket Podcast fame for our wonderful new theme music. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, we'll see you in the streets. <laughs>